today we have come to a, well, a pretty important key song on the mixtape, Psalm 51, which has been referred to by some as the Psalm of Psalms, by others as the most moving psalm of them all. It's another psalm of David, uh, and it's all about, as you can probably deduce by now, all about sin, dealing with sin. Uh, actually, in the, in the notes under the uh, title Psalm 51, we have a very specific description of the occasion when this psalm was written. Uh, we don't have this this uh, detailed description with most of the psalms, so it helps us to see exactly what's going on. Uh, and, and, well, it, it wasn't good. It, it says, of David... When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Okay, we're getting real with this one, right? We're, uh, now you know why we skipped over this one when we had family worship Sunday and all the kids were in here last week. We decided maybe we'd skip over this one, come back to it. Uh, uh, if, if you're unfamiliar with the story, 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, uh, look that up this afternoon, read through it all. I'm going to give you the highlights right now. Here's the recap of what's going on in the backstory of this psalm. In the time of year when David was supposed to be leading his troops, he was at home. When he was supposed to be sleeping, David was looking at things he shouldn't have been looking at. When he was supposed to be self-controlled, he was giving in to temptation. When he was supposed to be enjoying his own family, he was enjoying someone else's wife. And when David was supposed to be leading the country, he was directing things so that the someone else whose wife he was enjoying would die. David committed adultery and murder. He sinned, he covered it up, and thought he got away with it. It's kind of like a uh, real crime docuseries you might be able to dial in on Netflix today. Uh, the, this guy thought he got away with murder, but all the evidence is kind of stacked against him, and and, uh, and and at one point it all comes into the light, and now everybody knows the truth. Uh, yeah, I, I think it would make a great uh, a great series. In David's case, uh, the, the prophet Nathan uh, confronted him about his bad behavior, and David was caught red-handed, uh, and he he confessed. There was punishment involved. There was forgiveness involved. At, at some point, David wrote a prayer, set it to music, uh, and, and it was all about his response to God in the wake of his sin. That prayer, that song, is Psalm 51. Now, you could come into this and you could say, well, I don't really have a whole lot in common with this story. I mean, maybe you've never... Uh, even considered committing adultery. You've probably never even thought about actually murdering someone. But but let's let me ask you a few questions. Have you ever have you ever been somewhere that you shouldn't have been? Have you ever looked at things you weren't supposed to be looking at? Have you ever entertained temptation until you gave into it? Have you ever had to deal with the consequences of your sin in ways you had never dreamed of? Have you ever felt guilty for the bad things you've done? If you answered yes to one or all of those questions, then you can relate to David's story and you can learn from his example in Psalm 51. So I guess without further ado, uh, I'd like to read through all 19 verses of Psalm 51 and uh, and we'll see uh, how David dealt with his grief sin. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. 
blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will not uh, will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are my God and my Savior, and my my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 19. So we walk into this psalm after David is confronted with his sin, and we see that he wasn't trying to get away with anything anymore. After he thought that he duped everyone, God brought conviction and David had a choice to make. Uh, Try to get out of it again with more lies and deception or repent and fall on the mercy of God. Our response when we find ourselves in those same situations reveals, well, reveals a lot. I, I think it reveals what we really think about sin. You don't have to say it out loud, but uh, a question I think we need to contemplate is, what do you think about sin? Uh, is it just a, a, an old-timey kind of concept meant to, uh, meant to make us feel guilty and to steal our joy, steal our fun? Uh, the church has, has traditionally in the past, uh, churches are usually pretty good at guilt trips, right? Pastors are probably real good at that. Uh, I, I remember an old song um, uh, from way before my time. I guess I'll sing it. Some people hop up and down all night at the D-A-N-C-E. Spelling? Okay, good. Uh, while others go to church to show their brand new H-A-T. They smear their faces with great globs of P-A-I-N-T. And then they laugh at me because I'm S-A-V-E-D. In other words... I can uh, make you feel guilty for all the sins that I don't deal with, and uh, if I wear makeup, it must mean that I'm uh, not saved. I, I think that's probably the gist of that song. I think churches have been real good at uh, at uh, uh, making a list of random things that I don't struggle with and that I can judge you for. Uh, that's that's a, a, a bad, bad uh, side of uh, sometimes what happens. But 
that's not what we need to think about sin, right? That, that, there, there's more to it than that. What do you think about sin? I, I had a I had a theology class in seminary that covered you know uh, the the gamut, all of the uh, uh, the 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 main uh, theological uh, aspects of Christianity, right? And and it's so much there. They had to do a, a whole year, two full semesters, and and right toward the end of the first semester, we covered the theology of sin. And then Christmas break came and my professor told us that he'd leave us in sin until after Christmas when he'd tell us how we could, uh, you know, what, what we could do about it and we'd study the theology of salvation and all, and all of those things. I, I don't want to leave you in sin this morning, but, but we do need to, to try and understand sin, right? So we can avoid it so that we can live the lives that God wants us to live. So without getting uh, uh, too in the weeds today, I think we we really have to kind of lay down the ground. What what are we talking about when we talk about sin? And 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 there's two main types of sin. You'll you'll find these in the 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 Church of the Nazarene Articles of Faith. Uh, the, there's original sin and there's personal sin. An original sin is that tendency towards sin that we're all born with. David refers to it here in, in the middle of Psalm 51. He says, "Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me." Or that great theologian Mark Twain once wrote, there is a great deal of human nature in people, he says, kind of stating the obvious. So we're born with this tendency toward sin, original sin, not held responsible for it. But uh, see, when when, when children, uh, young children die before uh, understanding the moral responsibility for their actions, God grants them grace and heaven. Uh, same for, for those who are mentally challenged. God holds us responsible for the sins that we willingly commit when we realize the difference between right and wrong. And that's that second type of sin, personal sin. John Wesley defined personal sin as a willful transgression of a known law of God. In other words, acts of sin that we're held responsible for are things that we knowingly choose to do. Wesley notes that even, quote, the holiest of people is ever in need of the atonement. So, so it's not that we're, we're uh, uh, perfect in every way, right? But, but mistakes are not sin. Our intention is to serve God. But this, this world, of course, is influenced by sin and, and even our mistakes have consequences, but, but sinful actions that we willingly, uh, uh, are, are what we willingly commit against God, like adultery and murder in David's case, right? Or like, I don't know, we could come up with a whole list, lying, holding a grudge, lashing out in anger, uh, talking about someone behind their back, jumping up and down all night at the D-A-N-C-E, right? The, the, the word most commonly used for sin in the Bible, uh, and they referred to it there uh, in the video a little bit with the archery deal, is missing the mark. That is uh, uh, a, a, a great uh, um, uh, way to, to define uh, that, that word used for, for sin. Um, reminded me of uh, growing up, we had a, we had a dartboard in the uh in the corner of the uh, hanging on the wall in the corner of the basement uh the the, the faux wood paneling which i is still there um and it, it it wasn't one of those electronic dart boards you know that keeps score for you and all those things and and the darts only go in half the time i mean this was this was a a good quality you know you got the the darts with the with the metal tips and you just man i 
I got in trouble. My mom will watch this later. I don't know if she remembers this, but I got into trouble a lot because I unscrewed one of those tips and then I pretended to throw the, the dart at her, like, you know, with, but didn't have the tip on it. Ha ha, funny. That was not funny. Um, so uh, uh, anyway... Mom, I don't know if you remember that, but I hope you've forgiven me. Um, uh, but uh, so, yeah, you got the metal tips, and I uh, mean, we would we would send them in there, and there was no doubt what score you got, right? Uh, you'd throw three darts, you'd add them up, and you'd factor in. I don't know if you've uh, played darts, you know those little tiny deals. You know that's a, a double and a triple score if you get it in that little groove. And 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 I think that this was just my parents' way of teaching us math in a way that we didn't know that we were learning math, right? But uh, we love throwing darts, uh, but um, the evidence was all over the place that we weren't all that good at it. You know, there were times, believe it or not, there were times when we didn't hit the bullseye. I mean, you'd think, you know, you play it long enough, you can just always hit that bullseye. But there were times, most of the time, virtually all the time, we did not hit the bullseye. There were times when uh, when when we didn't get it, we'd try aiming for one of those little slots and, and we didn't get it in there. There were times when we'd hit that black part around the outside and didn't get any points at all. And there were many times when, uh, uh, when, well, there's still evidence in the, uh, in the, the paneling where this thing used to, where, where we had all sorts of stuff, uh, uh, holes in the wall where we missed the whole thing entirely. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that, uh, that, that we missed the mark. And, and that might be the picture that we get in our minds uh, of sin, right? We where uh, there's this target of of uh, uh, holiness and and uh, doing what God wants us to do, and we're striving to obey and follow God, uh, but we get a little wayward at times, and and we miss the bullseye, or or if we if we really mess up, it's like missing the whole dartboard altogether. And and that's a helpful image, although. <laughs> I'm not sure that that completely, uh, let me, let me just suggest that maybe the image we should have in our minds is that because of original sin, it's not that we're trying to do good and we're sometimes failing. It's like we're aiming at the wrong target. We don't want to be holy. We don't want to follow God. We want our own way. That's the sin nature. That's original sin. And then because of that original sin that we're born with, we commit personal acts of sin. So, so that's a little bit of the groundwork, but, but we still need to figure out, well, what's the big, big deal with sin? Well, it pollutes. It's powerful. There's a penalty to it. And it ultimately, the biggest problem is that it creates a, a barrier, a, a, a gap. There's a problem in our relationship with God. So sin is a big deal, but we don't always treat it like it's a big deal. Right? Uh, we excuse and we justify and we wink sometimes at, and, and, and we, we don't see sin like God sees sin. And, and there are times, maybe many times, when we don't always feel badly about our sin. Uh, it's kind of like the story of the man who, uh, who walked in the, in a bar and ordered a glass of beer and then he immediately took that glass and he threw it right in the face of the bartender. And the bartender was was incensed, and and he grabbed a napkin, he's wiping it off, and he's saying, "What's going on?" But immediately, the the the, the guy who did it was jumped up and tried to help, and said, "I'm sorry. Oh, I just have this compulsion. I I just do this all the time. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do about it." And the bartender said, "Well, you better better not come in here again until you get this thing worked out, because I'm not going to serve you again." 
Well, months and months passed, and, and this guy then came back into the same place, and, and uh, he, he ordered a drink again, and, uh, and the bartender said, no, I remember you, and I'm not giving you anything. And he said, no, 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 I've, got, I've, gotten, I've gotten help. I've been going to a, to a psychiatrist, and, and uh, the problem is solved. And so uh, the bartender was convinced, and, and he poured him a drink, and the man immediately took the glass and threw it in his face again. And, and the bartender was I thought you said you were cured. And, and the man said, oh, I, I am. I still do it. I just don't feel guilty about it anymore. The, the tragedy, Henry Blackaby once wrote, the tragedy is that many of God's people can know they are living their lives the same as the world around them without it disturbing or the old uh, country preacher Billy Sunday once preached, one reason sin flourishes is that it is treated like a cream puff instead of a rattlesnake. And, and that's how David started off this season of his life, right? For, for about a year, David didn't realize that God was mad at him. Uh, the, the last verse of 2 Samuel 11 says, uh, they told the whole story of what David did and, and all of his sins. And then the last verse of, of chapter 11 in 2 Samuel, it says, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. What it doesn't say there is that, but David didn't know that. Uh, he thought he'd gotten away with it all, right? And, and it appears, it appears that he didn't miss God's presence in his life. And, and that's probably a problem, I would think, right? David had to be directly confronted by the preacher before he dealt with his sin. Uh, maybe one key thing we need to learn today is, is that we have to maintain a close relationship with God. So if we do sin, we notice right away. I, I hope that none of us waits a year uh, to miss God's presence in our lives before we deal with with uh, with, with sins that we may commit. Now, to David's credit, once he was confronted, he did not treat his sin like a cream puff. He acknowledged it, he owned it, and he threw himself on the mercy of God. David's response in Psalm 51 is a, is a study in the right way to deal with sin. He just should have done it a lot earlier than he did. The few, first few verses here in Psalm 51, uh, it uses, David uses several different words for sin and several different words for, or word pictures for forgiveness. He refers to his iniquity and his sin and his transgressions. He calls on God's mercy and God's compassion as he asks him to blot out and wash away and cleanse him. And, and, and we could do word studies on all of those, uh, those words and, and all the different nuances that they take and how, how this refers more to this than that. And, and we could do all that, uh, but but I don't know that that's the point. More, more than the slight differences in the meanings of those words, uh, David is speaking here poetically, right? He's writing this prayer, he's writing this song, and he's repeating and he's emphasizing the, his, his urgency in needing to deal with sin. Uh, dear God, it's, it's almost as if he's saying, dear God, use whatever means necessary to get rid of this sin. I've got to get rid of it. Five times in the first three verses, David uses the pronoun I. He understood that this was his sin. He owned his sin. When confronted in the face of this inexcusable sin, David didn't argue or get defensive or make excuses. He reached the point of desperation. And in essence, he said, I see it. I get it. I'm so sorry. God, please do something about it. Instead of running and hiding from God or diminishing the gravity of, well, it's not that big a deal. No, David was humble and he was broken and he acknowledged his sin. He threw himself on the 
the mercy of God, which is really all that he could do. In the Old Testament, they had all these animal sacrifices, right, that, that, that symbolically covered sin, and certain sins required certain sacrifices, but... There was no sacrifice for adultery. There was no sacrifice for murder. Those were capital offenses. Uh, they, 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 they weren't necessarily going to be something, oh, no big deal. Uh, David had no recourse here. When confronted with his guilt, he could simply admit it and throw himself on the mercy of God. And he showed God through this prayer that he had a huge heart change. Instead of a heart of rebellion, he now had a heart that was broken and contrite. Psalm 51 graphically and even emotionally shows the depths of remorse and how we should come to God when faced with our own sin. We have to come broken and contrite, humbly asking for God's grace and mercy. We, we can't make excuses. We, we can't justify sin. We have to own it. We have to see sin for what it is and recognize how it breaks the heart of God. And then, like David's example, we need to let it break our hearts too as we ask God to forgive and to cleanse. And there's good news here because God does forgive and cleanse. Uh, he, God forgives sin. He, he cleans us up. First John 1 John 1.9 spells it out plainly. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, when we confess, when we repent, when we own our sin, God forgives. It's a promise. It's a, it, it's a promise that when we confess, God is faithful and will forgive. And, and we could just live like that. Uh, we'll sin, sin a little bit, ask God to forgive us a little bit, sin a little bit more, ask God to forgive us a little bit more. And I guess we can do that, uh, sin skip through life and, uh, God would forgive us, but there's more to it than that. I, I guess I feel like I'm on a late night, uh, uh, QVC, uh, uh, but wait, there's more. It's not just that. David noticed that there is a problem here. He acknowledged his heart was going to keep drawing him toward sin. I I, I guess I get the uh, the image of uh, of giving a dog a bath and then letting them out in the yard and they immediately go and find the stinkiest whatever that they can roll in, right? And and it's just this this constant struggle of of, uh, uh, cleaning up and then getting dirty again. And, And it's just a temporary fix. David saw that, 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 recognized that draw that bent toward sin, and so he asked for more than cleansing. He asked for a new heart. Verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create means it's something brand new, right? Uh, He wanted a brand new pure heart. It's the same thing that that God proclaimed uh, later through the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36 verses 25 to 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart with new and right desires and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. Uh, David, as we see in Psalm 51, he didn't want to just keep going through this. He didn't, he didn't like the humiliation of sin. He didn't like the, the consequences of his sin. He didn't like the distance that it created between him and God, and so he needed God to do something new in him. 
And that's just what we have been celebrating all morning long. The something new that God has done for each and every one of us. As we look at these Psalms, we look back through the lens of the cross, right? And we see that, that God has done something new uh, for each of us in Jesus, his son. God doesn't want you to just keep on sinning and ask, uh, then asking to forgive uh, him to forgive and just keep going back and forth. He, he, he will. He just wants more for you than that. Uh, that, that verse in, in 1 John 1, 9, we confess, he's faithful and just, will forgive, uh, and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, chapter 2, just a couple verses later, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, John says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. The, the, the goal is that we don't make, uh, make these choices to go against God. But if anyone does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ that we celebrated in communion today, the same Jesus Christ that we have sung about this morning, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. His love and his sacrifice has paved the way for our forgiveness, and not just for a temporary forgiveness, but a, a, a new creation to develop a new heart within us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, describes that new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone, and the, the new is here. We don't have to keep walking through this cycle of, oh, God forgive, oh, I did it again. And certainly. There will be times when we recognize that, that we have fallen short of God's glory. We're all in this, in this sinful world, but God has provided the way for us to have a, 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 a deep, full, brand new uh, heart and a brand new relationship with him. If you're tired of that cycle of sinning and asking for forgiveness and getting cleaned up and then sinning again, you need to know that, that, that God can take a rebellious, broken heart, and create something new. A heart bent toward God instead of toward sin. Psalm 51 is a, is a great place for you to go when you're dealing with, uh, with, with sin in your life. It is a, a great example for you to, to take and to pray, to pray the very words of Scripture. Uh, dear God, I've sinned. Dear, dear, dear God, cleanse me. Uh, my, my sin is heavy. My iniquity is upon me. Uh, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. I come to you with a broken and contrite heart. All of those things we need to recognize. And, and, and this is a psalm that I hope you can have uh, dog-eared and earmarked and, and, and use. Father God, we come to you in need. <laughs> We need your forgiveness. We need your grace. We need your mercy. Lord, I pray that you would create in us pure hearts, that you renew steadfast spirits within us, that, that as we come to, uh, uh, to you today, that we can acknowledge that, that, that we can't do that on our own, but it's only as we respond to you. Lord, I pray that as we call out to you today, that you would do your work in our hearts and lives this morning as we are obedient 
to your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.